Welcome to Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Our host is Aaron David Free, President of Israel Team Advocates International. Aaron is an author, speaker, Bible teacher, and an advocate for Israel and the Jewish people on college campuses nationwide. This is Israel and You. Hey, welcome. Today I'm Aaron Free. And Israel and You is a radio ministry of Israel Team Advocates. We work on turning the growing tide of anti-Israelism and anti-Semitism on college campuses, especially evangelical college campuses where we're seeing this resurgence today in America of replacement theology, which is a theology that teaches that God has rejected Israel and the Jewish people. You can follow us on Facebook, Israel Team Advocates. You can follow our website, israelteam.org. You can follow us on Instagram. So we've got a great program lined up for you today. We're going to talk about the importance of the family table. It's a Hebraic concept. And we've been talking the last couple of weeks about your divine connection to Israel. And then every few weeks, we talk about a Hebraic concept. And we've been talking about the blessing of Ephraim and Manasseh. Uh, one of my first trips to Israel, I saw fathers and mothers in uh, Jewish homes uh, laying their hands on their children and speaking words of blessing over them. I'd never really seen this concept in uh, the church world. I came back to the States. I wrote a book uh, entitled The Forgotten Blessing and published by Baker Publishing out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. So the concept changed my life and changed the way my wife Sharon and I parented our four children, Rachel, Elizabeth, Hannah, and Nathan. And uh, I wrote blessings over each of our children. We spoke words of blessing at our family table every night at dinner. Uh, this Thanksgiving, I'm writing a blessing for each of my children. Our three daughters are now married. I uh, write a blessing over their husbands. Our son Nathan's still in college, so we're still parenting. And uh, we're writing blessings over our five grandkids, uh, Avery, Asher, Levi, uh, Ellie, and Parker. So our Thanksgiving table this year will be a, a table of blessing. I remember teaching on this uh, subject of blessing uh, several years ago, and a gentleman came up to me and he said, you know, I've, I've been a verbal abuser my whole life. I'm in my 80s. How can I bless my family? And I gave him some instruction. And that Christmas, he, he gathered his family around his table and he spoke words of blessing over his children. He'd spoken words of cursing all these years, but now he became a blesser. It changed his life. One gentleman, John Waller, who's a musician, he wrote the music for Fireproof. And uh, he's written songs about uh, the blessing. He read my book, The Forgotten Blessing, changed his life, helped him as a father. And he wrote a song called The Blessing of Ephraim and Manasseh. So the concept of blessing changes so many people's lives. And if you would like to grow in your understanding of the understanding of the blessing, you can go to IsraelTeam.org and uh, hit the donate button. And for a donation of any size to help us in our work in helping evangelical college students understand their divine connection to Israel, you'll be able to download a code and then download this 15-page full-color booklet on the ancient Jewish concept of blessing that will really help your life. Another Hebraic concept that changed my life, uh, my first trip to Israel, I saw families eating together. And my wife and I came back to the States and, you know, scratching our head, that's such a wonderful truth that the table is a place of learning. And every Sabbath in Israel, 
Uh, Friday at sundown, Sabbath begins, but prior to sundown, uh, the Jewish people, the shops close and they go to the grocery stores and they purchase their food for the weekend and uh, they gather the families around the table. And the whole city of Jerusalem shuts down uh, Friday afternoon. And I remember one uh, time I was in Israel, I had rented a car, I had a family reunion and I was driving down to Tel Aviv. I got up Saturday morning, realized my my little rental car was out of gas, and uh, there was no gas stations open in Jerusalem. So I coasted all the way down Mount Zion from Jerusalem, all the way down to the the, the base where I was able to find a gas station. But that's how it is, and that's how it was in America years ago, where uh, Sundays was just a, a place of the family meal, the family table, uh, shops closed, stores closed. Uh, so this concept comes from Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. It's the Shema. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Baruch Shem Kavod, Malkuto, Le'alam, Va'ed. And it talks about the fact that God is God. He's hero Israel. The Lord, uh, your God is one. Blessed be his glorious kingdom forever and ever and ever. And it says, teach these things, these commandments to your children while you sit at the table. When the temple was destroyed, the rabbis said, you know, what are we going to do? How can we gather uh, the families together? How can the families learn? And so they began to say that the table is the altar and the home is the center of learning. And remarkably, Judaism is a home-based religion where Christianity in many respects has become a building-based religion. We relegate the responsibility of instructing our children to the Sunday school program. And it's a wonderful uh, supplement to education, Sunday school. But learning should foremost take place in the home where the mother and the father around the table, according to Deuteronomy 6, they are teaching their children the commandments of God and the ways of God. So my wife Sharon and I came back from our first trip to Israel immediately brought our kids together around the table, the family meal table, and we began to have family meals every night of the week for the last 20 years. And I'm Jewish by descent. My wife, Sharon, her parents are immigrants from Norway and Sweden. And today on our program, Sharon, my wife, is my very special guest. She's a medical person, a nurse practitioner. She got her PhD in nursing at the University of Illinois in Chicago. She is the Associate Dean of Research at the College of Nursing at the University of South Alabama. Her research focus actually is on healthy home habits with an emphasis on the family meal. And when she came back from Israel, her first trip, she started researching the health benefits of Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 through 9. This Hebraic concept of a family eating together at the table. And she found out there was a huge area of research around the family meal. She began writing articles in nursing journals and conducting research about the value of the family meal. She was interviewed by the Wall Street Journal, the USA Today, Women's Day magazine. She's conducted classes in inner cities uh, in churches called the Family Meal Challenge. She's published research articles in scientific journals, and one article was recently published in the Journal of Christian Nursing. So it's amazing. All these truths come from the scriptures, and uh, the table is a place of instruction. It's a place of learning. It's a place of blessing. So I'm so happy today to welcome to Israel and you my wonderful wife, Sharon, 
And it's great to be with you, Sharon. Thanks for being on the program with me today. It's great to be with you. Well, great, Sharon. In your research of this Hebraic concept, tell us the significance uh, of all that you found of the, of the family table. Well, you know, it's interesting, Aaron. After our trip to Israel, I came back and I ended up meeting an amazing national expert on family meals, and we partnered together. And I um, really spent about six months really delving into the topic of the health benefits, the emotional benefits of family meals. And as a result of those six months of study, I put together just sort of an article identifying the literature. That article is called The Surprising Benefits of Family Meals. And it's just an overview of all the areas of, of really benefits for families, for family meals. And then that led to further research, working with a lot of populations and really identifying um, the really barriers to family meals and the health benefits. And also it was really a great opportunity to really see families embrace the concept and really implement family meals and healthy discussions around the family table. You know, Sharon, you and I have partnered together for the last, uh, we've been married 42 years, but we partnered together the last 20 years in this whole wonderful concept of bringing our family together around the table, uh, not just at holidays, but you know, through the week. And as we prepare for the holiday season, what can families do? Because I've seen you as a wife over these years, just make the table such a, a place that's sacred to our family. And when I get up in the morning, I, I think every day, you know, what, what are we going to talk about tonight at the table as we gather the family around? So what can families do to make the table a meaningful and sacred place during the holidays? Well, this is really a topic that I love talking about. And, you know, I want to start out by saying something um, to listeners out there. If you're a single parent, mom or dad, I just want to encourage you. All my research identified the same benefits apply, and it's no different with single parent or dual parent households. So I want to encourage you, if you're a single parent mom, single parent dad, these same strategies will also be a benefit to you and your family. So several things that I think just in starting out, you know, I think a family meal is about the only opportunity we have to share with about all of our senses. We taste, smell, hear, sight, and it's an opportunity to employ all those senses around a real positive environment, around food and around our family. So I've learned to make the table what I call a sacred place. It's a time to encourage our family, really get in the lives of our families and friends, um, and make it a fun, happy place. Make it a place that the kids and the family want to be. And, you know, I think some things that would just help families as they think about this is we set up ground rules, Aaron. Remember we said, you know, that sure. the family meal is never a place to correct, to discuss conflict or even political thoughts. It's a safe place. It's a place that families know that they can come and they're going to be loved and accepted. You know, the family table, sometimes it's tempting for a mom or dad. You know, you see a report card or get a call from a teacher. It's not the time to bring it up. That's later. Um, the table is the sacred place. It's a fun place. And it's a place that um, you'll instruct, but positive things. It's a positive place. And, you know, I think several things as I've worked with families over the years is you want to be fully present. 
you know, turn off electronics, um, televisions. You know, our family, our kids know not to bring their cell phones to the table, but I know a lot of families that put a little basket in the kitchen counter and say, put your phones there because we're going to connect and be fully present um, and turn the TV off because it's so easy to get distracted um, and just kind of make that a place where you're fully present and fully engaged. And I really encourage you to think about ways to encourage your family around the table. One of my research studies, um, I actually, um, something that we were creative, we developed this mason jar and we, you know, we put bought a mason jar and we put questions in there. We color coded them like the yellow questions were questions to ask preschool children, you know, the green questions were to ask, you know, school age children, then questions for general questions for families, even husband and wife questions, it made them pink, um, just to help families learn how to ask open ended questions to each other to learn about each other. So I'll share some examples in a few minutes. But um, there's a lot of resources to even to help families start thinking about questions, you know, Family meals can be a lot of small talk and that's great, but it's also fun to take it, uh, just take it deeper and ask about just different areas and find a little bit more out about your family. You know, one thing we did over the years is we asked our kids like one high, one low of the day. And that was really a fun, I don't want to say game that we did, but I felt like it was really an important thing because I learned like what was something great that my kids experienced that day. And then I also learned maybe something that bothered them. And oftentimes when I heard about maybe one thing that made them what they called the low of the day, a little bit later on when I, you know, meant to say goodnight to them, we talked about it further and I would have never known had I not asked. So it was really a way just to kind of hear about their day. Um, we often go around and say what we love about the person. We share something funny about the day. Um, at every birthday, you know, we do something where we all talk about what we love about that person, something very special. And it's been neat because our married daughters, even their families, um, have adopted that. It's great. One of the things we talk about, Sharon, over the years is uh, Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, who was dropped as a child and his, his legs were crippled. And when David became king, the Bible says that uh, Mephibosheth always sat at the king's table. And so, you know, below the tablecloth, he had triple legs. Uh, but above the tablecloth, you know, he was not crippled. And so th that's kind of the way it is around our table. Everybody is crippled in some way. We've got issues and we've gone through difficulties of the day. But when we come to the table, there's no political talk. There's, there's no you know, cursing of one another. It's a place of total acceptance, no matter what you've gone through. So uh, on the other side of the break, Sharon's going to be back as we continue to talk about the table. Hi, this is Aaron Free, president of Israel Team Advocates International, and we are really an educational nonprofit that's helping Christians understand the roots of their faith, go deep in Hebraic thought, and uh, evangelicalism, the millennial generation specifically, is turning away from Israel. So the, the main focus of our organization is mainly on evangelical college campuses where we're trying to turn the tide. Because within 10 years, think of this, evangelicalism could very well be anti-Israel because of the media, social justice movement that is swaying the minds of the younger generation. And so one evangelical campus I was recently on, 
professor told me they, they brought in a speaker from Israel to talk about the Jewish people, and there was almost a riot on campus. There was a, a group on campus known as the Students for Justice of, of uh, Palestine, and they caused such a ruckus that they had to shut down the chapel service. So these are the things happening out there on evangelical college campuses across America. So what we do is we're building a bridge, a bridge towards the next generation to help them understand their connection to Israel. And wonderfully, Israel team has just received a matching grant for $28,000 from a large foundation that has examined our mission of doing presentations on evangelical college campuses, doing roundtable discussions with professors about this issue of replacement theology. And for matching dollar for dollar over the next three months, if you would like to help us in our mission, you can uh, send your gift to Israel Team, P.O. Box 91779, Mobile, Alabama, 36691. Or you can go to our website, israelteam.org, and you can donate there to help us uh, fulfill this matching grant, dollar for dollar, up to $28,000. Thank you, and God bless you. This is Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Hey, welcome back to Israel and You. Our special guest today is my wife, Dr. Sharon Free, and uh, Sharon is the Associate Dean of Research at the University of South Alabama. Her research is in the area of uh, healthy home habits with an emphasis on the family table, family meals, and she learned this concept actually in Jerusalem as she saw families at the table and enjoying each other and a meal and she came back and she found that this is a huge area of, of uh, research uh, in the medical community bringing families back to the table to share and uh, have a healthy meal together so uh, Sharon it's wonderful to have you here today in Israel and you and one of the things that uh, you've already assigned me to as we look towards the holiday is writing a blessing over each of the kids uh, and their three daughters and their husbands and then five uh, grandchildren and our son who's still in college. And so I've begun to, to write blessings so that when we come around the Thanksgiving table, uh, each uh, child and grandchild will receive a special blessing from their grandparents. So what are some other things we can do uh, during the holiday, Sharon, to make uh, the family table sacred? Well, you know, um, Aaron, that's something that I honestly think about all the time. And just as we're looking forward to Thanksgiving, you know, some things that we can do around the table that can really encourage kids, really help build resilience as, as parents. And uh, I'm going to talk about grandparents in just a minute. But feel free to share stories how God brought you through challenging situations. I think sometimes as parents, you can be afraid to share weaknesses, but you know, I'm really transparent and I know Aaron is too with the kids, share struggles, how God brought us through, how we went through really challenging times. Those stories really help build resilience and help the kids when they face difficult times, they'll think back to their parents and what they went through. And I think holidays are such a special time for grandparents. You know, grandparents are a wealth of information. And, you know, oftentimes they're around the dinner table with us, especially for the holidays. And I know what we did with, with my parents when they came is we asked them 
we would, you know, a lot of times grandparents are not going to just share stories about the past, but the parents need to ask them. So I would ask my mom, mom, share about how you came through the war when you're in Norway and, and what God did. And oh my goodness, my mom would share beautiful stories of just what she went through. And the kids were captivated. In fact, our children wrote stories for their school projects about that. And my dad shared stories about his mission trips and the miracles he went through and um, going through the depression. And I remember Aaron, your family, when they came, they shared about one of your uncles shared about how they, how he was involved with, you know, the capture of Adolf Eichmann. And my kids were captivated with those stories. And I think it helps the kids to see the generations of how they handle challenging times and honestly how God brought them through. And research shows that this really builds resilience. So in terms of the holidays, include the grandparents and make it a special time. Be purposeful. Think ahead. I mean, you, you want it to be relaxed and not awkward. But, you know, like this holiday, I'm already thinking, I want to hear of how my adult children and how our son in college what they learned during this COVID experience, you know, that challenges the positive things that God's done in their life. Um, it's a great time to kind of hear the strategies, the resources they used, how they overcame the isolation and all the things that they had to deal with um, financially, how they came through. And I think I'm looking forward to hearing their perspective on that. And, you know, I think, too, I try to really make it fun for grandkids around the table to make it encouraging and to um, kind of hear about their, you know, like last week we had our um, our grandson with us and it was so much fun. We we have them all together without the parents just because we'll help babysit. And then um, I, we had our grandson Asher around the table last week and we had so much fun. He shared things and um, it was just really fun to even around the table, Aaron was sharing like Bible stories with him and things he was trying to memorize. And um, so it's just, it's, it's really fun. No matter what age group you have around the table, make it fun, make them want to be there. And um, we try to just do a lot of special things and just little things that um, make them feel like they're celebrated and, um, and, and really wanting to hear from each one of them. I remember one year, I think after our first daughter got married, just kind of to, we knew her husband well, but I remember one, I think it was at her birthday party, I, I asked all of the kids and then our son-in-laws if they, if money was an issue, what would they do in their life that they would absolutely love? And I remember hearing my son-in-law passionately sharing how he would love to coach basketball with high school kids and just sharing some of the things that they really love doing. I really got to know them better and really got to see some of their passions. And so I think it's really, you know, I think through questions, you know, like what would be something they would love to do or um, their dream vacation or, you know, um, it's just fun to learn more about people. And oftentimes you don't learn that just through small talk, but it's really kind of purposeful questions. And we don't make it, you know, if sometimes everyone's getting tired, you move on to the next thing. But we really try to make the table sort of a special spot where um, where everybody is heard and everybody feels loved. And Aaron, you yeah, probably have some things to share, too. <laughs> yeah, well, Deuteronomy 6, teach these things to your children. So the the table's a place of, of teaching the word. And my little four-year-old grandson, Asher, 
the other night. We're sitting at the table. He's, and so my name in Yiddish is Zaidi, which is uh, uh, Yiddish for grandfather. So Zaidi, God is bigger than you. That's right, Asher. God is bigger than this table. That's right, Asher. God is bigger than the whole world. That's right, Asher. And then I, I taught him, you know, little jingles. I'll, I'll say, Asher, tell me about the man Jesus. And we would memorize this through the whole meal. And by the end of the meal, he said, um, uh, he was born, yes. He died, yes. He was buried, yes. And he was resurrected on the third day, yes. So when he got home, I, I asked my daughter, Rachel, ask Asher to tell you about Jesus. And she said, Asher, tell me about Jesus. Well, he was born, he died, he was buried, and he was resurrected on the third day. So all those little things happen around a meal uh, with your grandchildren. I asked him the other day, Asher, tell me when Jesus is going to return. And so we memorized. It could be morning, it could be night, it could be noon. So children remember these things uh, that are taught around the table. And so uh, it's a place of blessing. One thing that we, we do every meal, uh, we go around counterclockwise and we'll say uh, to all the guests, uh, you know, friends and family, Bless the person next to you. Speak a word of blessing over their life. And so that goes on for probably 20, 30 minutes uh, during our meal times together is uh, each person speaking a blessing over uh, their neighbor. So uh, Sharon, you know, she has uh, instituted so many of those, those great little um, things into our family table. So what else, Sharon, can we, can we do at the holidays to make the table sacred? Well, you know, I, one thing I like to do, I like to make the table a fun place, you know, and um, a place that is really joyful and, you know, that sometimes they share funny stories. I'll, um, our grandkids love to help me set the table and, you know, I have this drawer that, I mean, they put birthday hats out, little blowers. It's, you know, I'll kind of let them do whatever they want to do around the table um, and just to make it fun. And we just really, I think the key is that it's a fun spot, a place of encouragement and a place that people feel free to share their thoughts or ideas and that they feel heard and they feel loved. And, and I think so often around the table, I, don't be afraid to tell somebody what you really love about them and how, how special they are. And, you know, and, um, and just to people really need to hear that. And so I, I think we're purposeful too, just to really encourage whether it's a small gathering or a large gathering and, and it has to be natural, you know, you don't want people to feel like it, you know, they, but it's, we, we keep it natural, keep it fun and, and keep moving along with the conversation. But we just um, try to make it a place where everybody feels celebrated. And that's a place that people feel loved and, and it's a fun place. We want the table to be fun. Yeah, so each uh, mealtime, uh, the father, he prays over the bread, and then the mother, she lights candles and uh, speaks a blessing. So we encourage you to go to IsraelTeam.org, our website, and we're going to have there available some of Sharon's articles on the surprising benefits of the family meal. We'll also put them on our Facebook page. Israel Team Advocates. You can go there and, and download some of these wonderful articles that she's written to help you in this wonderful journey of uh, establishing a family uh, mealtime together around the table, make it into a place of learning. You can also go to israelteam.org and for us 
donation of any kind this month to help us in our work on college campuses, you can uh, give a donation to the ministry and download this wonderful book on blessing. God bless you, and we'll see you uh, next time around. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.